0: Welcome to the Calvary Podcast. Get ready to dive into an inspiring message. Our aim is to share teachings that bring transformation and hope to your life. So open your heart, be ready to listen, and prepare for a powerful encounter with the Word. Let's get started. I'm going to begin a series. We, we have had such a powerful time uh, in this healed series. I had, I had uh, thought I would carry that on a little longer, but during this week in prayer, uh, God really spoke to me. That we were to focus during the month of March, moving into Easter, on the cross and what Jesus has done for us. And so what I'm going to do, I've got a series here entitled Crosswords. I'm going to take during these next few weeks leading into Easter, the seven final things Jesus said on the cross. There were seven statements he made on the cross. His last words, his final words. You know, when someone knows they're going to die, they don't waste words. When someone knows that a season is coming to a close, they're very intentional about what they say. And so we're going to begin today to look at, at, at some of these statements. They are so powerful. I want to go back to what I said a few moments ago in our worship time, in that, in that presence that we were in. I really believe that there are some truths, some uh, principles, some promises that God has given to the church some opportunities, some gifts that we're really not walking in. And I want to talk about one of those today, okay? Uh, before I get there, let's, let's do a little introductory work, all right? I want, to, I want to share some things with you before we get there. So let's first, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18. Let's make sure we establish. I, I could never say enough about the cross of Jesus Christ. It is the centerpiece of Christianity, The cross of Jesus is what redefined human history. How many heard what I just said? The cross of Jesus Christ cut human history in half. Everything, everyone on this planet makes time for or refers to for time, for dates and calendars. Whether you're an atheist, an agnostic, a Buddhist, a Hindu, a Muslim, Islam, You write the date on your calendar and define the day of the week by the coming of Jesus Christ. It separated humanity. The cross redefined religion. Until Jesus came and died on the cross, every religion on the earth was based on a code of ethics and ritual. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Every religion was a code of ethics and ritual and performance. But when Jesus Christ came, because we could not work our way back to God with codes and ritual and religion. Are you with me, church family? Yes. Yes. I can go sit down if you're not. I mean, it's fine. I, I preached in Oklahoma yesterday. I want to preach in the vinegar public this week. And if you want me to preach in Alabama, I'm ready to preach today. Okay, let's go. All right. Just want to make sure we're caught up. <laughs> Redefine religion. Religion is and always will be man trying to earn the favor of God. Jesus came to bring God to us, not to show us how to work our way up to him. And so religion was redefined. It literally gave us a word that did not exist in the religious vocabulary, a word called grace. Grace, unearned favor. That although I was the sinner, the sinless one took my place. Although I was guilty, the guiltless one took my place. Although I could never earn my way back to God, God came and found us in the middle of our hardest, darkest moments. Everybody with us today? And so the cross separated everything, brought hope where there was no hope. It is is the centerpiece of every good thing. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 18. 1 Corinthians 1, 18. For the message of the cross, you got to get this. we, We have to understand that we're speaking spiritual truth into a secular society so so understand this for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to those who are being saved it is the power of god the cross is the power of god the message of the cross is the power of god it, it, it is God's greatest gift to us. Let's go to Colossians 2 and verse 15. We can read scriptures from now till the end of our time together today. But let's just read two or three here. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15. The power of the cross, the message of the cross is the power of God. If we pull the cross and the shed blood of Jesus out of our experience we have no real faith in God. We have no hope in God. We don't understand the plan. Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 15. And having disarmed the powers, which we, we touched this last week. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them. Triumphing over them how? By the cross. Let's read it again. And having disarmed the powers and authorities. Who? Who? Is he referring to there the powers and authorities? He's talking about every demon of hell. He's talking about everything hell has sinned against you and your family and your hope and your future and your life. The Bible said in one moment with the death of the sinless son of God on the cross that God disarmed every demon power in hell that he broke the devil's right to hold you and your family is anybody thankful for the cross and not only did he take the authority of satan away from a born-again believer he made a public spectacle of him and triumphed over him by the cross the cross of jesus the most powerful gift that God has ever given to us. And then I'm not going to turn to this because you can quote it with me. Let's think about this. John chapter 3 and verse 16. What, what, what does the Bible say? You're ready? Come on. Let's go, let's go King James. you ready? For God. Come on, tell me. Talk to me. You did good. I'm going to kind of lead us a little. It got a little muddy there. All right, ready? To, let's go again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. What is the first part of the statement for what? For God, his love was demonstrated. For God so loved us. Today, I hope you feel loved. Today, I hope you understand the love of God that He gave His Son. And what we're going to talk about today is, is the first statement Jesus made on the cross. It, it, it was incredible. It's, I want us to go to Luke chapter 23 and verse number 32. Luke 23, 32. Let's get started on this. It, it's, it's, it's stunning. It's a stunning statement. It's a stunning gift. Luke chapter 23, verse 32. They had, as you know, arrested, they had arrested him in the garden while he's praying with the disciples in the garden of Gethsemane. They had kept him in the home of the high priest overnight. And early the next morning and during the night, there's a mockery of a trial. and Then they take him to Pilate, persuade Pilate to condemn him to death where he'd be crucified, to cross. We picked this up in verse 32 of Luke 23. Two other men. Think of the setting where our Savior died. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, Golgotha, the most vile, feared, wicked death chamber on the planet. The skull. It's to where we get the name of this church. It was called Mount Calvary. Mount Calvary. The place of the cross. There they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, one on his left. In verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Father, forgive them. You know, I think that we may have heard that word in church as often as any other word, forgive, forgiveness. It's probably a word that every Christian knows and few Christians live in. We need to be delivered in the church. We need to get the message of the cross. We need to not just nod our heads, we need to change our hearts. I want to help us today with something. This is going to go real and deep. Are you ready to go with me? Because the church needs to be set free. Do you realize that this forgiveness that Jesus gave on the cross to those who crucified Him, the forgiveness that the cross bought for us that allows us to be saved is supposed to be replicated through our lives to those who are trying to understand who He is. And so if the world can't see us forgive each other how do they know that God can forgive them? If we don't preach the message with how we live, how does anybody see it? It's probably one of the most difficult things we'll ever do because it goes against everything inside of us. So today I want to say to us early in this, you're not the only one struggling with forgiveness. Your pastor has struggled with forgiveness. There are sometimes It took me a long time to forgive somebody. Not very many, thank God. But I have to tell you, standing in front of you today, that I've had times I've had to work on forgiving. Anybody with me on that? It didn't come easy. It wasn't natural for me, and it's not natural for you. Because in our humanity, we take notes and keep lists and take names. And you know how the rest of that goes. We want to take names and kick, but you know. I didn't say it. You thought it. I didn't say anything. Whatever you thought, you filled the blanket, not me. So you can't say that, church. I didn't. You did. You know what it's like. Let's be real. Let's not act like we don't live in this body. So we have to understand, Father, forgive them. He'd just been betrayed by everybody, three, twelve men. He had poured his life into. One of them sold him for 30 pieces of silver. The Romans crucified him because they feared him. They didn't know what to do with him. His own religious leaders called him demon-possessed and called him a liar and, and, and misquoted him and falsely accused him. And he goes to the cross with spikes in his hands and feet and his back ripped off with a whip and he says, Forgive them. It's incomprehensible. It doesn't work inside our uh, context of humanity. But he did it. And not only did he do it, thank God, but then he turned around and looked at you and me and said, we're supposed to do it. We need some help. And we need some deliverance. But what we have to understand is this forgiveness is, is, is not chastisement. It's not God trying to give us a hard time. Or give us a directive that we cannot fulfill. It is a gift to set us free from everything the enemy has ever tried to do to us. And it's the strangest thing. It's one of the greatest gifts that can be received in our life. And we fight it with everything we have. And we go play church. You know, we get up in the morning and we Sunday morning and we get ready. And we go to church and we have unforgiveness, and we put it, leave it in the car, and we go inside here, and we worship, and we pray, and we dance, and we shout, and we smile, and we greet, and we go back in the car and get it out of the trunk and put it back on. Now, I could try to do this another way, but I thought we'd just be honest about it. We'd play church with it long enough. The things that have been done to you are unspeakable. I don't take it lightly. There are people in this room that have had those that should have taken care of you violate you more than anyone else. Unspeakable. And you think I would discount that and act like it's easy to forgive them? I would never do that to you. There are, I talked to one of our guys this morning before church in the hall here. He said, I grew up without a father. He said, as a little boy, I would lay in bed at night and pound my stomach as hard as I could. I was so mad and angry because I'd go to school and they would ask me, what does your dad do? And he'd have to, I don't have a dad. Because of the financial impact on his mom as a single mom and the children, they moved a lot, moved around a lot, trying to find a place they could afford to live. And every time he moved and every time he changed school, he has to go through it all over again. He's mad. He's angry. But somewhere along the way, he said, as a boy in junior high school, someone brought him to a youth camp. And he met Jesus. And Jesus forgave him. And he began to understand about forgiveness. He made some choices. I could tell you about another gentleman that he's living his life and he's married and he's children and his his career is going well and he thinks all is fine and one day comes home from from work out of the blue and his wife says i'm leaving you i'm i've got a i've fallen in love with somebody i work with shocked and stunned not only did his wife leave him for another man she took the house she took the kids she took his money and he's going in that empty home and he walks through his empty house And there's one of his children's toys laying in the closet. And there's a swing set in the backyard. Nobody's on it. He gets bitter. He's angry. After a period of time, he's consumed with bitterness. He starts failing at work because all he wants to do is talk about his anger. Talk about his wife, his ex-wife. Talk about her lover. Talk about what they did to him. His friends start withdrawing from him. Because that's all he ever wants to do. It goes over and over and over and over again. It's a broken record. She did it. He did it. She did it. He did it. And finally, nobody wants to be around this guy. And he's a Christian. But he doesn't know what to do. Finally, in desperation, he goes to his pastor. He says, I can't live like this. I'm going to die. His pastor said, I've been trying to tell you that. He says, what do I do? He said, you've got to forgive. He says, what do you mean forgive? How do you forgive that? How do you forgive that? What do you do with that? How do, you, how do you answer that? Let's look at some scripture for a minute. Have I got your attention? Let's go to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 12. This is tough stuff, but we got a tough God. Anybody hear what I said? I'm sorry, my microphone is kind of giving me some trouble today. I put it on different. Here we go. We've got to find way out of this. Are you with me, church? Because there's a gift for you where you can laugh again and you can breathe again. Are you listening to me? Where we don't have to hide it and walk around like it's not there when it is. Where we don't have to hear everything everybody says today through the filter of what they said to me yesterday. Where I can look at my wife or you can look at your husband and not filter them through what that person did to you. Where you can believe you can love again and trust again. And it's never going to be an emotion, and you're never going to feel like it. But it's always going to be a choice. How many heard what I've said? It's always going to be a choice. It's going to be a choice that says, God, I don't know how to do this. But if you will help me, I'm going to make a choice to allow your grace to come in my life. And let me me begin working out of this. Let's look at a couple of things. First thing I want you to see here, Matthew 6. Let me just read it from here, 12 through 15. Let's look at this. Uh, this is the Lord's prayer. Jesus, how do we pray? The disciples said, we want to pray like you pray. Why? Because they wanted to live like he lived. They had watched his life and they say, so how do you do this? We can't do this. How do you do the things you do? And, and, and they realized watching him, it's because of the way he prays. Do you know how you and I will do the things we can't do? It'll be because of how we pray, how we allow God in our life. So 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 this is the prayer. Forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our Debtors. let's keep going. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, okay? For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Now, but here comes the clinch. <laughs> but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's like the verse nobody has underlined in their Bible. All right. All right. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? Because I've had some moments I didn't forgive people. And so did God just say, yeah, George, it's all right. No, no. no he didn't say that for me. I don't get a pass. You don't get a pass. He doesn't rewrite the, I, I know you're his favorite. I know your mama's boy. I know your daddy's princess. But you don't get a clause. I don't get a clause. You know, I don't get an addendum. There's no lawyer writing this part for me and you. You understand what I'm saying? I've got to forgive people, so I want to says, let, let's establish something early on. I know it's, I know I'm, I know this is heavy. I told you it's going to be heavy, but don't, don't leave yet. Okay, we're going to get somewhere. Just stay with me. Okay, we're going to get there. Why should we not do what the word says? Why do we just make excuses and not do it? So here's the first thing I want to establish today: forgiveness is not optional. Everybody with me? It's just not optional. Forgiveness is not optional. Forgiveness is not optional. Can we say that out loud? Let's say that together. Forgiveness is not optional. We think in our culture today everything's optional based upon my circumstance, right? Isn't that how we live? Well, if you knew my story, you be you, I'll be me. is that how we lived it? Oh, you're, no, you be you. You do your thing, I'll do my thing. You're okay, I'm okay. No, 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 no. Forgiveness is not optional. Here's the good news. God will never ask us to do something that He will not enable us to do. Are you with me? God will never give you a declaration to frustrate you. He will give you a declaration to free you, and He will give you the grace to walk there. Come on, let's believe God for that. All right, so let's go to this next verse. So we, Let's get this. Let's go to Ephesians 4, verse 29 to 32, all right? All right, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Jesus, we can preach on that for a while. Teach, okay. But only what is helpful build, building others up according to their needs. Why? That, it, may, what? What do our children heres talk around the table? What do our children here say in the car? What, what, what do people read on our Facebook? What do they see on your Instagram and TikTok and, and, and OK, so, so, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Only what is helpful building others up. You know the old saying? You know what your mom and your daddy and your grandmother told you you can't say something good just don't say it. There have been times I've had to be really quiet. You understand what I'm saying? I have some people where we have very small conversation. I have some people I'm not trying to be ugly. When their name comes in the conversation I literally get up and walk away from the conversation. That's what, I'm, I'm telling you the truth as your pastor. I don't even stay there because I, I, I can't say anything beneficial to those that are listening. And I know good enough, you know what I do? I just get up and walk away. Okay. That it may benefit those who listen. Let's keep going. I'm taking way too much time here. Do not grit. Now, see, this is the deal. Look at this. See, this is what, come on. There's some things here. Look at this. This is the deal. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we do those things. You know what it means to grieve the Holy Spirit? It means that you push his presence away from you. It means that my mouth created a moment that God can't stay in with me. I don't need those moments. You don't need those moments. Grieving the Holy Spirit means that we've created an atmosphere that the Spirit of God can't bless, that He can't condone. All right? I'm going to help us. I'm helping. I'm helping. All right? I'm helping. (laughs) Okay. With whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let's go to this next. Get rid of all bitterness. Bitterness is the fruit of unforgiveness. How do you know you haven't forgiven people? Bitterness. Bitterness comes from unforgiveness. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger. And look what bitterness will develop. It turns into rage. Turns into anger. Turns into brawling. Turns into slander. I had a friend that used to be a funeral director, and he told me there were times where families were so divided and angry and bitter and unforgiving They had been separated from each other, never made peace. Someone died, and they're all packed into a funeral home for a visitation and had to call the police to break the brawl up, tearing the funeral home up because of what? Bitterness resulting from unforgiveness that expresses rage, anger, brawling, and slander. Someone said recently that bitterness is the seed of murder. Okay along with every form of malice let's go to this okay be kind and compassionate to one another how do we break all that forgiving each other just as in christ god so there it is so how do i do it are you with me there it is god always gives you an answer he gives you these (laughs) things don't grieve the holy spirit don't create atmospheres that 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 see i don't i don't want us to become comfortable here let let me help you with this you said pastor well you know you, you need to understand something We grieve the Holy Spirit when our words and our mouths and our bitterness are there. And so he said, well, but, you know, nothing happened to me. I still came to church. I'm still going to go to heaven. I know I shouldn't be doing that. No, you know what's happening that's really terrible? You're learning to be comfortable separated from the presence of God. That's the danger. We are learning to be okay outside his presence. We are developing an insensitivity to the Spirit of God. Because our bitterness and unforgiveness has so grieved the Holy Spirit that we are living in a place where the Spirit of God is not present. And we have become okay with it. Remember Samson? He says that the, 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 the presence of God had left him and he didn't even know it. That's how that happens. So what do we do? How do we do this? Just as in Christ God forgave you. How can I forgive the people that have done unspeakable things. Listen, it's not because they deserve it. It's not because they earned it. It's not because it's okay. It's not because it's right. It doesn't mean you have to let them do it again. It, and, and, and you can give forgiveness, but trust has to be earned. You can forgive somebody and not trust them again. They violated the trust. Are you with me today? Listen, uh, listen, th- This. how do I do this? I have to come to the place where I realize I am completely, completely undeserving of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? I have to forgive as God forgave me. I have to realize I had nothing to offer him. I have to realize I was not worthy. I have to realize I don't deserve it. Do you understand that? Do you and I get that today? Do you know what it cost him? Look at this Look at this picture of Jesus. Just, I just kind of want you to see his face while I talk about this for a moment. I, I, I want you to get this, that, that it, it cost a lot for you and me to be forgiven. That it wasn't easy for God to forgive us. Uh, did, 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 did you, you know, it was bloody. It was crowned of thorns. It was rejection. It was betrayal. Do you understand? Do I understand? How can I receive forgiveness in my life and have any idea that I don't deserve to let somebody else have that? How can I look at the cross of Jesus Christ and determine I'm not going to forgive you because I don't like you? Because I don't, you don't deserve it. Of course they don't deserve it. Listen to me. On the bottom line, forgiveness is simply this. I refuse to be your judge. I'm going to put you in the hands of God. I'm going to take the burden off my back. I'm going to stop collecting debts. I'm going to stop drinking poison and think you're going to die from it. I'm going to stop letting your wounds control me. I'm going to come out from under this bondage. Listen, do you know the only thing it hurts to forgive is our carnal nature? That's supposed to die anyway. You want to die to yourself? Forgive that joker. You hear what I just said? You want to die to yourself? Forgive the person that hurts you. Oh, you talk about pain. It's like, Jesus. You know, I'm going to say I forgive you. No, and it's not, okay, I forgive you for forgive me doesn't work that way. I've had people say, well, I went up to them after all these years. And I said, I'm sorry, forgive me. And they just looked at me. You know the only reason you said, I'm sorry? Because you wanted them to say it back. (laughs) Not forgiveness. That's manipulation. (laughs) Then you're all mad again. You might as well just stay home. You're not ready yet. You're just not ready yet. Well, pastor, I told them I'm sorry. And they just looked at me. I said, well, did you do what you're supposed to do? But I didn't say anything. I didn't know that was the equation. See? Listen, can, can, can we be honest? This thing, this thing, look at Jesus. Look at the cross. I, I looked the word messy up today because, you know, we use that, don't we? That person messy. Here's what messy means. Chaotic, convoluted, complex, tangled, grubby. Forgiveness is messy. Forgiveness is messy. It's bloody. It's nails and thorns and stripes and pain and tears. Forgiveness is messy, folks. But I'm going to tell you, Healing is wonderful. Yes, sir. Healing is wonderful. Yes, sir. And it comes to the place where I simply, I, I simply just say, God, help me forgive like you've forgiven me. I've tried not to come here and give you some big pious teaching on forgiveness. I've trying not to come here and just make you feel guilty or condemned. I've tried to help you realize This thing that keeps getting in your way. This thing that keeps dividing families. This thing, listen to me the church is I understand man I believe I, 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 I believe in the sanctity of marriage I, I, I believe that, that that God wants your marriage to work I don't believe that, that God wants you to get a divorce I believe he wants to heal that marriage I, I believe he wants to rescue that anybody with me on this I believe that but when somebody's been through the agony of a divorce uh, we don't need to label people and ostracize people and act like they're second class citizens and can't make their way through but so, so I want you to get that from me I'm okay with that it's under the blood of jesus thank you god let's move on and let's just make this life work but here's what i gotta say do you know that second and third marriages have a 75 percent failure rate do you know why we should we should have learned something from the first one but the reason this one doesn't work is because we're bringing the first one into this one with us see here here you got a problem here, here can i help you with something here's what you need to know everywhere you go there you are Everywhere you go, there you are. You left her, but you came over here. And because you didn't forgive her, guess what? She came with you. Do you think you're ever going to have a good marriage with two women under the same roof? You don't forgive her? You got her on. She got you on a chain, and you brought her right into your marriage. Come on over here. You think your wife likes her in that home? Listen to me, man. You didn't forgive that rascal. He may have been a card-carrying heathen. I mean uh, everything, synonyms which I will not enumerate in church. But you don't forgive him. You drug that Neanderthal into your next marriage. And you think it's going to work and you got that on your back? Do you understand why I'm sharing this message with us? Do you understand what this hurting, broken, bound, stumbling culture needs? They need to see someone like you who was mistreated and treated wrong, who was unjustly treated, but you came under a meeting of, you met a man named Jesus who so forgave you that you had a capacity to turn around and look at your father, at your mother, at your husband, at your wife, at whomever it was, and literally say, You didn't ask me for this, but Jesus did. I forgive you. I let you go. You don't live with me anymore. You don't walk with me anymore. I put you in the hands of Jesus. You'll never get there until you become willing. But God's grace is big enough. He's big enough. Again, it doesn't mean you return to the beating and the battering and the abuse. It doesn't mean that that what it was all right. No, it means that I'm not going to collect the debt anymore. I'm not going to collect the debt. I'm going to let it go. And here's how you get there. You you know, I'm kind of working, 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 working here. Let's look at at Colossians 3.13. Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, say it again. How do I do it? Forgive how? As the Lord forgave you. Can I tell you how I got there on the hard cases? This is how I got there. God, man, I'm struggling. God, when I think about them, I'm mad. You know, really, when the hard ones are the people that hurt my family. That's the hard ones. That's the hard ones. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm like, eh, you did it, you did it for me. I'm, I'm, you know, whatever. Because I got a great God and I got a great family. Somebody wants to be mean to me, be mean to me. I got a lot of things to be blessed with. You got me? But when you hurt my family. ah, So this is how I had to do it. God, man, it hurts. God, I'd be honest, I'm mad. And I'm angry. Let me help you right here. Ephesians 4, I think it's verse 32. Listen to me. Listen to this. You got to get it. It says, be angry and sin not. Do you know you can be angry? And it's not a sin unless you let your anger direct your actions. So I say, God, I'm angry. Here's what I had to say. Show me, what do I do with this? What do I do with this, God? So I'm praying. Then I read in Ephesians 4, it says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. God, I'm sleepy. (laughs) I'm tired. And I'm ticked off. And I'd like to go to bed for the night. Anybody ever been there? I've had enough of today. But I don't like living this way. And I don't like making an excuse. And I don't have the luxury to grieve the Holy Spirit in my life. And who am I not to try when you've forgiven me? I grew up in church. My parents loved God. And I rejected all of it. I walked on love. I shook my fist in the face of God. I trampled on His grace. I was an idiot. And God forgave me. And so I'm going to say I don't have to do it. I'm just going to find somewhere in my mind to say disobedience is okay. And and I don't need the Holy Spirit. No, God, you got to help me. So tonight, before I go to sleep, please help me, God. Please help me, God. That's where I started. Then after a few days, it got harder. <laughs> Not easier, because now that's what God wants me to do. He said, now I want you to pray for them. Oh, God. Look, I'm trying not to punch the dude. And you want me to pray for him? Then there's the word. Pray for those that despitefully use you. Bless those who curse. I knew what was coming next. Now he wants me to bless him. So George Sawyer can't do that. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So I just kept at it. God, i want to pray for them. God, I pray for their family. Because maybe like Jesus said, they're so broken, they don't even know what they're doing. Are you with me? Maybe they're hurting as bad as I'm hurting right now. Maybe they're in a mess as big as I'm in a mess right now. So, Lord, bless them, God. And you know, the more I prayed for people, the easier it became to forgive them. And the more I prayed for my enemies, this really got crazy. I felt the love of God start to come. And none of that was from me. And all of that was from him. You can get there. But you have to choose. In the beginning, I had no emotion to do it. I just wanted to be obedient. I just needed the presence of God in my life. Do you want a pastor to come here and try to preach without the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Do you want me to stand up here and be a hypocrite? Does my family need to watch me be one man here and another man there? I don't have that luxury. And it was painful. And thank God, <laughs> it works. God works. And now that person, you know, that I was afraid I didn't want to be around and couldn't talk to, I'd leave the conversation, I'd steer away because I didn't want to do the wrong thing, I'm fine now. I'm fine. They're not my best buddy. They haven't changed. How can two walk together unless they agree? But I'm free. I'm good. I pray, I bless them, but they come back across my mind. I speak a blessing because I take every thought captive before it grabs me again. let bless them. Bless them, God. Bless them. Bless them. Pray for them. Pray for the family. Let it go well. And I'm free. Man, I don't drag that guy around with me everywhere I go now. You understand? When I meet somebody new, I'm not looking at them through what that guy did to me. I'm not, my heart's not hard and jaded. I can forgive and love and trust because I forgave and softened. Everybody with me? God's big enough. He's big enough. Let me show you one thing before we go. I won't get. To, I'll get to this. So, so, so. Are we walking through some things? Do you see this? Do you see this thing? God wants us to forgive. It's not optional. And God gives you the grace to do it. And I've tried to just take you through it on my journey today and let you see. But the freedom is worth the exercise. How many heard what I said? The freedom is worth the obedience. The healing is worth the obedience. It'll change your marriage. Listen, there will never be a real relationship without forgiveness in the middle of it. Your children need to see it. You need to live it. Okay, let me give you this. We're going to go home. Turn to this. Turn to Luke 23, 39 through 43. I'm going to lighten it up. Come on, worship team. You you need to breathe for a minute, okay? I'm going to let you breathe for a minute. Turn turn to Luke 23. Luke 23. How many will say, Pastor, by the grace of God, I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in my life? Come on, how many will do that? Will you say it? Come on, let's be honest. Let's look around the room. How many in this room have struggled with forgiving people at times? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get to read it. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 and 15, listen to me. It says, there there is a root of bitterness that will grow up and defile everyone in your circle. An unforgiving, bitter parent will have a bitter family, will have a defiled family, will raise children that don't know how to forgive. You need to show them how to forgive and why to forgive. Are you with me? An unforgiving spouse will have a defiled marriage. An unforgiving teacher will have a defiled class. An, un- an unforgiving uh, CEO will have a defiled business. Do you understand? Forgiveness is not an option. It is a gift. It is the message of the cross that no matter who we are, how we felt, how bad it had been, Jesus said, you're worth forgiving. And if he forgave us, he will give us the grace to forgive the people that are around us. But it is a choice. It starts with a choice. Not a feeling, not an emotion. Where you just say, I'm going to do what the word of God said. Amen? Now look, let me help you show you how good God is. And we're going to go with this. Listen to this. Luke 23, are you there? Verse 39. Come on, watch this. Watch, 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 watch. We'll, we'll work on this more. One of the criminals. Remember those two guys? Who hung there. Hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Man, you talk about insult to injury. He's dying on a cross and this dude is making fun of him. Insulting him. While he's dying. Save yourself and us. Next verse. But the other criminal. Look at this. Come on, he's dying. Rebuked him. How did this criminal on a cross go to heaven? He said... I recognize he's God. Today, wherever you are, as close to death, as down in sin, as dark as it gets, when you realize Jesus is who he says he is, you have hope. Then he says, you're in the same sentence. Look at verse 41. 41. We are punished justly, for getting what our deeds deserve. You know how you get saved? Jesus, you're God. I'm a sinner. I deserve it. You didn't this man has done nothing wrong. Come on, look at this next verse. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Look at the next verse. What did Jesus say? Second thing he said on the cross. Truly I tell you, today you'll be with me. Can you imagine this? Let me tell you something real quick. True story. Just what an illustration of what happened there. If you're struggling, think you're too far away from God to forgive. Think you don't have what it takes. It's not you. It's you letting God do it. This, you know, one of the churches and pastors has been a great mentor to me. And he's been here. Pastor Tommy Barnett taught us how to do things like Whiphammer Cross. They had a big production going there in Phoenix. Their church seats about 6,500 people. Two balconies. a beautiful place. They always bring in a lot of homeless people to their productions. Feed them, bring them in, bring busloads of them in to meet Jesus. Okay? So they're bringing the busload in, listen to me, to the the back door, one of the side doors of the church where they're feeding, and they're going to come in and sit down. Well, there was a big convergence of the cast for the production and the homeless guy's getting off the bus. And so here's this homeless guy that's never been to this church, and he gets in the wrong line. They think he's in the cast. So they grabbed a guy. And put a Bible costume on him. He doesn't know he'd never been to church. He's like, I guess what they do when you go to church. You know? Gave me some clean clothes. I don't know, kind of weird, but. So then they take him around and just in the mix up, they thought he was one of the two thieves on the cross in the production. So they put the homeless guy up on the cross. He's on the cross in the production. 7,000 people sat in front of him. He's just up on the cross, he's hanging on the cross. Pastor Barnett's telling the story, the homeless guy on the cross. And, and he's talking about Jesus on the cross. And the homeless guy's looking there. Hmm. And he's talking about their criminal, what he says. And all of a sudden, the, the thief, the, the, the homeless guy goes. They read this verse, and he goes, well, I'd like to get saved. So he says, well, Jesus, will you save me too? And they go, that's not in the script. And the guy gets saved. Up on the cross, accidentally, they put him there. He didn't even know he was supposed to go there. (laughs) So I close with this. Give you the moment. The real thief on the cross. Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. I can give you some talk about that, but just let me do this. Can you imagine him? He dies. And he's in heaven. And the angel comes up to him and says... Who are you? He said, I'm just that guy down there. He said, how did you get here? He said, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know how you got here? I don't know. Did you go to church? No. Did you memorize your scripture? Well, no. Have you been baptized? No. Well, how did you get here? The guy on the middle cross told me I could come. That's how I got here the guy on the middle cross he said I could come I want you to stand with me the guy on the middle cross said you can forgive the guy on the middle cross said you could go home anybody with me today how many know the guy on the middle cross (laughs) how many of you know you didn't get there he did it and if he did that for me He can help me obey His Word and not grieve the Holy Spirit and be set free from the traps of the devil. Thank you for listening today. We hope you found this message uplifting and encouraging. If you're looking to connect in person, we gather every Sunday at 10 a.m. You can also find us online at calvaryassembly.org. And don't forget to follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, for more content, updates, and to stay connected with our community.